Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of intussusception from the pediatric section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A young mother brings her two-year-old son to the pediatrician reporting that he has had recurrent belly aches for the past two weeks. The child experiences sudden intermittent vomiting interspersed with periods of no complaints. The mother reports that she has seen him squatting with his knees to his chest, which seems to relieve him of his symptoms. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, intussusception is the most common form of bowel obstruction in children. A luminal lesion usually serves as a focus point for looping bowels. Know that intussusception involves the terminal ilium telescoping into the proximal large bowel in most cases. The ideology of intussusception is unknown. It is associated with gastroenteritis, Meckel's diverticulum, gastric polyps, adenovirus infection, intestinal lymphoma, as well as hyperplasia of Peyer's patches. In terms of epidemiology, intussusception is most common in children 3 months to 3 years of age. It is uncommon in adults and occurs in the large bowel. Moving on to the presentation of intussusception, symptoms include the abrupt onset of a classic triad which is only observed in one-third of patients. This triad includes colicky abdominal pain, emesis, and current jelly stool. Other symptoms include a child that may flex their knees to their chest to relieve pain, infants may present with paleness and abdominal distension, lethargy, and fever. On physical exam, patients may have abdominal distension and tenderness, a positive stool guaiac indicative of intestinal bleed, a sausage-shaped abdominal mass which may be palpated in the right upper quadrant, and signs of shock may be evident. As far as the evaluation of intussusception, labs will show leukocytosis. On imaging, abdominal radiography may show a small bowel obstruction with air fluid levels, and be sure to rule out free air under the diaphragm in the setting of a perforated viscous, which is a surgical emergency. Ultrasound may show a small bowel obstruction, or what's known as a donut sign. Another modality for evaluation includes a pneumatic decompression enema via fluoroscopy which uses air or carbon dioxide to push back the intussusception. It is now preferred over contrast-based enemas as the risk of perforation is lower and there is lower radiation exposure needed. Pneumatic decompression enema via fluoroscopy is additionally therapeutic. Finally, hydrostatic decompression enema via fluoroscopy traditionally used barium, which can cause peritonitis, but now gastrographin or other water-soluble agents are used instead. Hydrostatic decompression enema via fluoroscopy reveals a coil spring sign. It's additionally therapeutic, and know that you can use saline with ultrasound guidance, where there is no radiation exposure, unlike in the pneumatic technique. The differential diagnosis for intussusception is small bowel obstruction, upper or lower GI bleed, and mesenteric ischemia. The treatment of intussusception can be non-surgical or surgical. Non-surgical management includes a pneumatic decompression enema via fluoroscopy, which is now preferred over hydrostatic contrast-based techniques that we previously discussed. Another non-surgical management modality is hydrostatic decompression enema via fluoroscopy, which is both diagnostic and therapeutic in many cases. After successful reduction, the child should be admitted for 24 hours to monitor for recurrence or complications. Surgical intervention includes surgical reduction, which is only indicated when barium enema does not relieve the obstruction. Know that you must resect the gangrenous-slash-necrotic segments, and the appendix is usually removed to prevent confusion in the future. Now, let's end this review session talking about prognosis, prevention, and complications. 
the prognosis of intussusception is very good to excellent if identified and treated early. As far as prevention, there are no preventative measures available at this time. Complications include bowel necrosis followed by sepsis and death if left untreated. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A two-year-old is brought to the emergency department by his mother for intermittent abdominal pain. She states that the pain seems to be relieved by flexing his knees to his chest. The mother states that she noticed this morning that he passed stool mixed with blood and mucus. On exam, you note abdominal tenderness. An abdominal ultrasound is performed and reveals a target sign or a donut sign. What is the most common underlying cause of this patient's condition? And the choices are 1. Idiopathic. 2. Gastric polyp. 3. Meckel's diverticulum. 4. Parasitic infection. And 5. Intestinal lymphoma. The correct answer to this question is 1. Idiopathic. So this patient with colicky abdominal pain relieved with flexion of the knees, current jelly stools, and a target sign on ultrasound likely has intussusception. Approximately 75% of intussusception cases are idiopathic. To quickly review, intussusception occurs when a section of the small bowel telescopes into another part of the intestine. Most commonly, the terminal ileum invaginates into the proximal large bowel. Intussusception is the most common cause of bowel obstruction in the pediatric population, and it typically occurs in patients between 3 months to 3 years of age. While 75% of cases are idiopathic, 25% are associated with the pathologic lead points in conditions such as Meckel's diverticulum, gastric polyps, intestinal lymphoma, or infections. Martin et al. discussed Meckel's diverticulum, which is a congenital gastrointestinal tract abnormality. Meckel's diverticulum is a true diverticulum and often contains ectopic gastric tissue. Meckel's diverticulum can serve as a lead point and cause intussusception. Other complications of Meckel's diverticulum include intestinal obstruction, diverticulitis, hemorrhage, and perforation. Ra et al. reviewed the evidence regarding the association of the rotavirus vaccine with intussusception. When the first rotavirus vaccine was released, it was promptly removed from the market in the USA because of increased occurrence of intussusception. Rotatech and Rotorix are two live oral rotavirus vaccines that are now being used. Surveillance data of these vaccines reveal that they do slightly increase the risk of intussusception. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, gastric polyp, answer 3, Meckel's diverticulum, answer 4, parasitic infection, and answer 5, intestinal lymphoma are all incorrect, as although these are possible causes of intussusception, the most common cause is idiopathic. And moving on to the final question, a two-year-old male is brought to the emergency department by his mother. The patient awoke in the night screaming when the mother changed his diaper and she found thick, bloody stool. The child was born at 35 weeks via C-section and required an overnight stay in the NICU for tachypnea. Developmentally, the child is at the 38th percentile for weight and has met all milestones. The child's pulse is 110 per minute, blood pressure is 90 over 60 millimeters of mercury, and respirations are 20 per minute. An abdominal ultrasound is obtained and reveals an ultrasonogram with acoustic attenuations around a mass with telltale ring inside a ring appearance known as the target sign. What is the next best step in management? And the choices are 1. Transanal mucosal biopsy 2. Oral vancomycin 3. Emergent exploratory laparoscopy 4. Pneumatic enema and 5. Barium swallow
the correct answer to this question is four, pneumatic enema. So this child is presenting with acute abdominal distress in current jelly stools. The finding of a target sign on ultrasonography is highly sensitive and specific for intussusception. Therefore, a pneumatic enema is very effective at diagnosing and reducing intussuscepted sections of bowel. Intussusception occurs when a proximal loop of bowel telescopes and invaginates into a distal segment, which results in compression of the proximal bowel's mesentery and subsequent vascular compromise. Intussusception often occurs when lead points or segments of bowel, which protrude into the lumen of the bowel, advance into adjacent segments. In children, lead points can result from mesenteric adenitis, hypertrophied Peyer's patches, or Meckel's diverticulae. Patients will present with colicky abdominal pain, and investigation with ultrasonography can demonstrate the two segments of bowel invaginated in one another. Beres et al. conducted a systematic review of contrast versus pneumatic enemas for the treatment of intussusception in children. They found that pneumatic enemas were more likely to successfully reduce intussusception in children without evidence of increased morbidity. Daneman et al. reviewed the literature on diagnostic approaches to intussusception. In general, they comment on the high sensitivity and specificity of the abdominal ultrasound. Moreover, studies have demonstrated negative predictive values as high as 100% when characteristic findings are excluded via ultrasonography. Comparatively, abdominal radiograph negative predictive value is around 90%. To quickly over the incorrect answers, answer 1, transanal mucosal biopsy is incorrect, as this is appropriate in attempting to diagnose Hirschsprung's disease. In such a biopsy, a paucity of myenteric plexus neurons will clinch the diagnosis. Answer 2, oral vancomycin is incorrect, as this child is unlikely to have toxic megacolon from Clostridium difficile infection, therefore antibiotics are not appropriate. Answer 3, emergent exploratory laparotomy is incorrect, as suspected peritonitis from a hollow viscous rupture is grounds for laparoscopic exploration. This child is hemodynamically stable for his age, and thus can be managed more conservatively with a pneumatic enema. And finally, answer 5, barium swallow is incorrect, as an upper GI series is unlikely to help resolve this patient's condition, though it may help in diagnosis. However, a pneumatic enema can be both diagnostic and therapeutic. That's all for this review about intussusception. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.